Packers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here it is, your Sunday, February 21st edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Bill Meltzer, uh, for a look back at the week that was, only one game, but uh, still a lot to talk about, and the week that will be, including the outdoor game today at, uh, well, tonight now, at uh, at Lake Tahoe, a game that originally started out scheduled at 3 o'clock, then 2 o'clock, now 7.30 p.m., and uh, a delayed game yesterday between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche uh, due to ice conditions and making it playable. Uh, so presumably the Flyers will be in action coming up tonight in Lake Tahoe against the Boston Bruins, a team they are 0-2-2 against this season. So uh, a lot of variables to this game. And the fact that they didn't get the practice on the ice before the game is a big part of the equation as well. And the spatial awareness that players feel in that situation. But let's get to my conversation right now with Bill Meltzer. Uh, the week that was, the week that will be. Here's my conversation with Bill. Joining us right now on Flyers Daily on advance of uh, what we thought was going to be an afternoon game. Now it turns out to be a night game uh, in Lake Tahoe between the Flyers and the Bruins. Is NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com's Bill Meltzer. Bill, um, a lot of changes already in this game, and it's been quite the whirlwind affair, and the puck is yet to hit the ice. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. Um, you know, already have the start time changed, and, uh, you know, the uh, on, on Saturday, the uh, expected expected practices for the Flyers and the Bruins on the, the outdoor ice had to be uh, – Moved inside to indoor ring near the hotels, so they've only had a, a you know they had a half hour practice and you know all all those little things that go with getting getting acclimated for an outdoor game, but particularly one under these pretty unusual circumstances, you know the sight lines, the little quirks of the rink, the altitude that, that's a big thing and you know in in, in Tahoe. Yeah, um, I actually I had asked um, I'd asked Delaney Vigneault about you know because because I mean, players have some experience playing in Colorado. And he said, yeah, the, uh, you know, the altitude is a factor in those games. I mean, it's going to be a factor again tomorrow. So it's, uh, you know, I, it's really, it's really going to be interesting. You know, obviously the, uh, as, as we're recording this, we're waiting on the remaining second and third period of the, the Colorado against um, Golden Knights game. We'll see, we'll see how the ice holds up as, as we go into tomorrow. Um, I know tomorrow's supposed to be another day in the forties. Um, you know, there in, in Tahoe and uh, even with the starting time moved back to, um, well, I guess it's 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. You know, if uh, you, know, you hope you hope the uh, hope the weather cooperates a little bit today, you know, the, the melting ice situation was obviously, uh, you know, far from ideal. Yeah, and we've seen, you know, outdoor games with less than ideal conditions. Uh, just point back to, I think it was, what, 2018 Flyers and Penguins at Lincoln Financial Field. I mean, the ice at the latter stages of that game, to say it was tired would have been an understatement, but this is a whole different ball game. And, and other, but players can draw on playing outdoors in stadium series or winter classics, but there's a huge difference here, Bill, and that's spatial awareness. Because at least you're playing inside some sort of a stadium. Here you're playing in the valley with a bunch of mountains around you. And again, you mentioned the sight lines. Uh, Look, during play, you are focused on the puck on the ice, but there is spatial awareness. And for goaltenders, that is going to play an absolute part in it. For the Flyers not to have been able to practice, Carter Hart, Duke Rask, in this game, there's going to be a feeling out process in the beginning of the game, just being used to the spatial surroundings that you're you're settled into. No, absolutely, and, and and if you notice in the first period of the uh, Colorado against Vegas game, a lot of players were, were flipping the puck high into the zone. 
And one actually kind of fooled mm-hmm. um, Flurry. Uh, you know, he was looking to his right. It went to his left. That one didn't go, go in the net. But I mean, you're going to see players trying things like that because every time the puck goes, yep. goes over the boot, it's going to be hard to track the goalies. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I mean, the background is mountains covered in snow. So there's a contrast, but it's not seamless. It's not perfect. It's not seats. It's not bodies in the seats. And, and, and to, to me, the other part of it, that big, that's just a big thing. There's a feel to when you play a game inside of a structure. This is not inside any kind of structure, right? And whether that's look, I, I played in an outdoor game uh, at Citizens Bank Park in 2012. I wasn't playing against NHL players, and I will tell you that it felt weird. That the surface feels different because it's on a platform. First of all, there's a different sound to it. There's all those things, and it, and you, it was weird during a stoppage of play. I looked up and there was a plane that went by. I said, "Oh, there's a plane." Yeah. <laughs> and that was weird because I never played hockey where a plane went by, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so these things are, look, and Lane, you said it. both teams are in the same situation. Players got to adapt. But would this have been better served to be an exhibition game, Bill? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, depending on as it's arranged or, you know, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but, you know, maybe if it was a, a one-day event with the two Western teams, then you would have to worry about scheduling the second game in there or having the the other two teams go west but i mean you know i mean the, the i mean the, the vistas there are incredible no no question about that but the, a lot a lot of the yeah. logistics and a lot of the things that go into you know that go into it you know as, as you said like the just the location where you are i mean you know i mean it's, it's played along the fairway in the 18th hole of the golf course it's it's definitely unusual so you know it's um you know i i guess i guess live and learn i mean for the flyers you know, and Bruins, it ultimately comes down to, you know, once once you start the game, it gets uh, hopefully finish the game. It, it gets into, you know, hey, you know, just uh, find find a way to win. I mean, still still two critical points. And that's, you know, when all is said and done, once they actually drop the puck, that's really, you know, really the goal there. Well, you know what they say in the NFL uh, with when snow comes in and weather comes in, it's the ultimate equalizer. The Flyers rode two and two against the Bruins. Maybe this levels the playing field, especially with a team that's got such a shortened roster uh, like the Flyers do. Let's look back at the past week, Bill, because it's been uh, quite the week. Uh, they've only played the one game now, really, since February 7th. That was the game Thursday against the New York Rangers. They were finally cleared once again to play. And for the first time this year, as a matter of fact, all 31 teams are able to play at the same time. That was actually the case the other day, even though the Dallas game was postponed, but that was because of inclement weather and what's going on down in Texas. Uh, but you look at the situation for the Flyers, just the one game, that they got a point out of it. Were you surprised they came out uh, as well as they did in that game initially? Yeah, I mean, I really liked the the first period the Flyers played. Um, you know, second period was rather sloppy, which you kind of expect as you go into. It. In the third period, in the third period, they just had trouble getting shots through. Really, the whole game, they, the Rangers blocked a whole lot of shots in that game. You know, uh, I thought I Torch was coaching. <laughs> yeah, really, it was it was it was it was almost like the Torch era was back. But you know, I, I asked Av about that because you know a lot of the games where the Flyers have been outshot this year has been really because they haven't had the puck a whole lot in this game the Flyers actually attempted more shots than the Rangers did they just couldn't get them couldn't get them through or couldn't get them on the net so you know it, it seemed like when they could and you know both goals were, were scored in scrambles around the net and that's I mean that's the way you, you score goals in this league so from a process standpoint it was actually not a bad effort particularly how shorthanded the Flyers were you know to to lose in a shootout you know well, I mean, the, the goals that, uh, 
the goals that Kako and, and uh, Panarin score were just filthy, both both of them. So, you know, it um, yeah, you know, so you to get one point out of it and yeah. move back into second place, I mean, that's not a bad outcome. Yeah, you'll take it, all things considered. Uh, Bill, you put out a tweet the other day. I referenced it on Flyers Daily. I referenced it on my radio show on Saturday. Uh, that was the first game Thursday in just about a month shy of 13 calendar years that neither Jake Voracek nor Claude Giroux were in the lineup for the Philadelphia Flyers. That blew my mind. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. That's wild. I mean, neither neither player misses games very often. You know, I mean, Giroux... Yeah. And then Voracek go through entire seasons without missing games. And, yeah, you got you had to go back. It was March 1st, 2009. It was uh, Giroux's first full year in the NHL and a couple of years before Voracek even got there. So that's, uh, you know, that, that is that is pretty wild to consider that all the players that have come through here, all the different lineups they've featured. But, uh, you know, one or both guys has been in every every game up until, uh, up until Thursday night. You hate to see an Ironman streak, and Giroux has has a had a long one going uh, prior to him being out with the COVID protocols. Uh, you hate to see that stopped with this situation, but hey, very 2020, 2021-ish uh, of our world. But um, when you look at uh, the situation with the players out, Travis Sanheim came back and said he did not have COVID. Uh, a lot of us thought maybe that was the initial positive test, uh, but he was in protocol but without actually having COVID, and Lane Vigneault came out and said, Jake Voracek basically does, but has no symptoms and is chomping at the bit. Uh, do you have any indication when when some of these uh, players may get back in the lineup in a staggered fashion, most likely? Well, I mean, it really depends. I know, you know, obviously Jake, as you said, is asymptomatic. Other guys have had, you know, mild to, you know, moderate, but mild side of symptoms. So really it all depends on how they're feeling, when they're feeling better. They're going to need to get a couple practices in. You know, even players that recover relatively fast, just in terms of their you know, their wind and their conditioning, that can take a few days. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, this, this coming week is, is not a particularly busy schedule again. So, you know, the uh, Flyers have another one coming up with the Rangers and then, then I think on to Buffalo on the weekend. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully if not the very next game, maybe you get, you should have Voracek back hopefully, and hopefully you have most of the guys back by next week. And that, that would be my hope. Um, is there any new thought process on the vaccine for players? I know that, you know, manufacturing is ramping. We're expecting an emergency youth authorization uh, for the Johnson & Johnson vaccination. Uh, is there anything new on that front from the NHL standpoint? I think it, I think it's an availability question. I mean, the NHL has, has not wanted, mm-hmm. you know, to jump the line. I mean, the optics of that are really bad, you know, in front of, in front of the, the neediest, most at-risk people. But you know, it's a game changer once the, the vaccine is the vaccine is widely available. Well, you know, when you're looking at a one dose thing rather rather than two and, you know, just the efficacy of it. I, I think that, um, you know, hopefully it'll be relatively soon. And once once you can get much of the league vaccinated, then, you know, that's a game changer. And also, you know, also we're looking at hopefully within the next few weeks, more fans and you know, fans in the stands at all or more fans in the stands in other locations. So it's, uh, you know. It, it's I know it, it, it looks you know it, it the situation is frustrating it's taking a longer time than anybody had hoped back when the off season began and, and all that but you know I, I do think there's a there's an end game inside here finally it's just just a question of getting from here to there you know I, I was thinking about this 
and it was something I wanted to discuss on my radio show, but I'll bring it up here. I haven't had a chance to bring it up there yet. But I, I think on March 12th, the NBA and the NHL, which of course was the day that everything shut down, right, last year, they should grab that day. And it, it once the NHL has 32 teams and the NBA has, every team should play on that day going forward. Right. As a remembrance that everything did shut down. And use that as a day on the calendar where they have 16 NHL games and they have 16 NBA games and have every team in action if it's logistically possible. If not, have as many as you can. On the NHL right now, there's 31 teams, so somebody's got to sit out, 15 games. But I think they should do something to not ignore it but commemorate it because one of the things that was a shock to a lot of our systems last year was the fact that sports and everything else was gone like that. What do you think of that idea? No, I, I think it's a really good idea. You know, um, I don't, all day, yeah, start them early again, like the bubble. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, the, the, there was a, um, a couple seasons ago, the NHL did a super Saturday where every team was in action that day. They worked logistics out. So they were able to do that. Um, you know, so, I mean, if you, you plan proactively and you, you get the, get those dates free, you know, now doing both the NHL and NBA can be tricky just because they're sharing buildings, you know, in some Arena. cases, but but, uh, you know, but I mean, certainly from an NHL standpoint, I mean, I would, I would love to see that whenever they've had those super, super Saturdays or whatever, you know, those, those are always, those are always fun because, you know, with every team in action, there's a whole lot to follow. As you said, like with the bubble, the games would start early and it'd be going to the, to the, uh, you know, to the Edmonton bubble with the Western teams at night, the later part of the night, that was, that was wild stuff. I loved it. Well, the, the other part of it that would make it brilliant and this is my idea. Of course, it's brilliant. Um, I mean, you have you have 15 games there, 16 games. You start them on a staggered every quarter hour. You don't start five games at 3 o'clock, five games at 6 o'clock, five games at 9. I want the staggered schedule, too, so that when I'm, I I just want to, like, have a buffet or a, a, an all-you-can-eat-and-drink of hockey all day on a staggered schedule so I can literally just flow from one game to the next seamlessly so all I do that entire day is watch play between the whistles. I'm I'm sold. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, you're an easy sell. <laughs> you're you're what we call a hot lead. <laughs> um, uh, let, let's talk about the week ahead because once the Tahoe game's done, it, it, look, the Flyers have been dealing with this disjointed schedule and the postponements. They get back for the one game. Now they're dealing with everything and the variables of Tahoe. But eventually, they're going to get back to normal here. They're going to get their roster back. Um, they got to build Bill on what they started to accomplish before the postponements, and that's to get some of the uh, some of the details of their game in order. Um, going about that for this team is really paramount to how they attack this next part of the schedule. Uh, is it something that you think can come together for them rather quickly, or do they have to almost start from scratch again? Well, I mean, because and hopefully get players back, you know, in the next few days, as, as we were talking about, you know there actually is a little bit of opportunity to practice right now. It's very hard to, to pull, to reel things back in without practice time there. There is actually an opportunity to practice. And then, and I, I mean, it, it can be done. I mean, because they were on the right track beforehand, you know, it's uh, I mean, it's been, you know, very strange 10 days here, you know, 12 days now. Um, but I mean, I, I think you can, you know, the, you could have players that needed, reset time or healing time. I mean, look at uh, you know, Sean Couturier, right? He had just come back into the lineup 
when uh, the Flyers are in DC or um, or Phil Myers, he should be a hundred percent now. You know, he's had uh, he he was back in the lineup and he's you know I mean and I thought he looked great in the Rangers game. He looked like himself. He was you know, using his size yeah. and his strength well. So so those players that needed time off either mm-hmm. to heal mm-hmm. or to you know just work on this or that, just just recharge the batteries or whatever. They've had that time. And, um, you know, it's not like a, a training camp situation. It, it's, it's getting, getting a couple quality practices in. And I think it's, you know, I think it's within reach to be able to do that. And, you know, you're going to have to do that because you, you see that, you know, you see that, uh, you know, the flyers had that, uh, involuntary time off and just because of the nature of the schedule, there's so, you know, half the teams in your division are, be ga- are gaining every night. So, you know, you, you can't, you can't avoid any kind of, you, you can't rather, you can't uh, afford any kind of long slump. So, you know, the, this, the stands are a lot tighter than they were when the Flyers went on break, they had a little bit of a cushion. They have some games in hand and they're still, you know, either in a standing tie with um, where they're, you know, a couple points behind, you know, uh, those, those head to head matchups are crucial. I mean, if you look at the difference between the Flyers and Boston, the standings, it's three points. Well, you look at the season series, right. And that's the difference. So that's, uh, you know, I, I think that I think that getting back on the horse very quickly, you know, regardless of the outcome uh, of, of Sunday's game is crucial. And I think the practice time is, is, is the way to do it. Yeah, the maximizing that practice time, like you said, when you don't get a lot of it, it has to be a really, really effective. Uh, Bill, whenever I do Twitter questions, I always get a question about, who can the Flyers acquire? A pure goal scorer, right? That's the one always. But the other one's a, a top four defenseman. And Pierre Lebrun put out a story, and Matthias Ekholm's name has been put out there for a Predators team that's been disappointing and a team that is in, in need of a little jump start on a rebuild. Uh, the Flyers are in need of a top four defenseman. Uh, 30 years old, Matthias Ekholm. He's got this year remaining and one more on his contract. It does create an issue in an expansion draft year about protection and losing a player and what you're willing to give up when ultimately you may create another hole by making an acquisition. But is Matthias Elkholm uh, a possibility for the Flyers, a good possibility? And what's your view of the situation there? Well, uh, I think that Elkholm doesn't check every single box. He's a left-handed shooter, primarily plays the left side. But, I mean, you could pair him with, with Travis Sanheim, who's comfortable on the right side. It's just has played the right side so you know that that's a potential that's that would be an option especially to keep phil myers up top with ivan provorov i mean listen the flyers could really use another 20 minute a night defenseman uh, he moves mm-hmm. the puck well he's he's a smart hockey player you know, solid defensively all, all those things so i think that um you know he's a guy who would help you balance your pairings because he's a pretty good two-way defenseman so you know they he know he's on a direct replacement for Niskan. He's not right-handed, and, and there are the complications just in terms of acquisition costs and whatever. But would it make the Flyers a, a more dangerous opponent in the first round just just by basis of their blue line depth and, and balancing the pairings? Absolutely, absolutely. So you know you have to you have to look at you know what's what's the acquisition cost. Um, you know LeBron and it, it, I, I don't know how much it was speculatory. It, it was uh, a first-round pick, and Goss is spared maybe another component. The first-round pick makes me a little bit leery if, if you're talking about a potential rental, you know. For for but by the same token, again, like if if he's a guy you, you know, your scouts are telling you, you know, this guy can, this guy can help us make a deep run just by how we would fit in the lineup and 
know, the boxes he would check and, and how the other piece, you know, how he fits into as a piece of the puzzle. You know, you only get so many kicks of the can. You might say that you have a lot of young players or whatever. When you have an opportunity to compete and to win, you know, you do. And this this year particularly is a pretty funky draft just because, you know, some leagues haven't even played yet. So it's a very hard draft to read. Yeah. If, if I would if I would be comfortable trading a first round pick for a potential rental, you know, other than a real top end guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent or that kind of thing, you know, this this might be the year to do it. So, you know, Ekholm will be a player I, I would be intrigued. Yeah, I mean, you like his size, you like yeah. his pedigree. Uh, another Swedish defender. I mean, you got Gustafsson, you got uh, Haig, you, you got uh, it's the Swedish connection over here. It's like we got to get more Swedish fish in the pre- in the uh, press box again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he does fit. Um, if they start to go into that area of hey, we really want to grab Morgan Frost, that's where I hang up the phone. Yes. Yeah. When, yeah when, once you're talking okay. about, you're going too far now, David Poyle. You may have won the most games as a GM, and that's great. But Morgan Frost isn't on the table in this deal, brother. <laughs> no, no, and, and especially you know with a first round pick in the mix, absolutely not, absolutely not. That, that's a that's a deal. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I I think it's a real intriguing name, and th- that team is really in desperate need to kick a kick a rebuild into high gear because since they got to that Cup final, who they play in the Cup final it was Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's yeah. number two Cup, second one. Uh, when they lost in the cup final, and it's been a, a slow disintegration from there on. And look, they got some great defensemen there. Uh, it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on if uh, the trade market ever does kick into high gear. Well, Bill, we'll see how everything goes today with uh, the Flyers and the Bruins. Flyers 0-2-2 against the Bruins. And uh, we'll see how that plays out in Tahoe. And we, we look forward to just getting, getting back into the season. Talk to Sean Couturier about it uh, on, the, on the episode the other day. And he said, I, I just want to get into a rhythm. Like, He's like, I've played such a little amount of hockey so far. And I think we're all feeling that way. No, no, no question. Just that semblance of a normal schedule. All right. That's Bill Melter. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. Enjoy your hockey from Lake Tahoe tonight. Be what you want to be. See what you came to see. In what you want to be. I don't like what I see.